0: State of emergency after a deadly crane collapse.
1: We heard a bang and our entire building was shut.
0: The disaster at a Kelowna construction site.
1: New
2: developments in the Lytton fire investigation.
0: This is a priority investigation for the RCMP.
2: And a major donation of lumber to begin rebuilding the town. And
0: a lost dog reunion. (laughs) Separated in the chaos of the Lytton fire, how social media helped bring them back together. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with breaking developments in that crane collapse at a construction site in Kelowna.
0: There are multiple fatalities, although exactly how many is still unclear. The city has declared a local state of emergency, and Global's Jules Knox has the latest from just moments after the crane came down.
1: It was the loudest thing I've ever heard and it
3: shook our building like it sounded like an earthquake. A crane crashing to the ground in the heart of downtown Kelowna shortly after 11 a.m. on Monday. Uh, it sounded like or a, a car had hit the building.
4: And I felt this jolt both on the floor and on my back.
3: The crane collapsing at the site of Mission Group's Brooklyn at Bernard Block. A 25-story concrete tower still under construction at St. Paul Street and Bernard Avenue.
5: I saw kind of a, a mini dust storm and it
4: took me maybe 10 seconds or so to realize that the boom on the crane had fallen down. The horizontal boom, which is like
5: several hundred feet long, is lying at the end of the alley. Part of it struck the south end of our building.
3: 12 ambulances rushed to the scene, taking at least three people to hospital.
6: He suddenly spotted a person that was on the scaffolding for the crane. He was climbing down, I believe down. Anyways, he got to the crossbeam and he uh, just sat and he shimmied. And I saw a man um, calling off the crane and he got to safety. He was hanging off of it pretty much almost. It was, yeah, it was terrifying.
3: Others didn't survive. Officials confirming multiple fatalities and say at least one person who is not a worker is still unaccounted for.
7: We're releasing limited information right now in part because we want to be able to notify the next of kin. Not all persons have been properly identified.
3: Hundreds of people immediately evacuated from nearby homes and businesses as officials set up emergency support services at the Salvation Army. Many still not allowed back home.
7: The area remains unstable and unsafe. If that structure were to fall, is about 250 feet. And so they want to obviously make sure that anywhere within that 250 feet, should it fall, it not actually injure anybody else.
3: The city of Kelowna declaring a local state of emergency in response to the ongoing threat to people and property caused by the crane collapse. And officials are asking people to stay away from the area as they investigate. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna.
0: We are also hearing from the developers behind the project. In a statement, Mission Group says, in part, there was a catastrophic failure where a crane fell during the dismantling process. Mission Group immediately evacuated the building and emergency crews were dispatched to the site. We continue to work closely with emergency responders to assess the situation. The company adds it expresses its deepest sympathies for the families affected by the tragedy.
2: Several investigations are underway into the cause of the fire that destroyed the community of Lytton, including assessing the possibility of criminal charges. Julia Foy is live with the latest. Julia, investigators have now completed a search of two areas of interest related to the possible origin of the fire.
8: That's right. They were on the ground for over a week collecting evidence, conducting interviews, and they focused on two areas. One was in the village of Lytton itself. It was actually a park area near the rail bridge where pedestrians and trains crossed the the Fraser River. Now the second location is actually a 30 minute uh, 30 kilometer away in Boston Bar. Around 4.30 that afternoon, a train fire had been reported in Boston Bar. And of course we know that the evacuation alert came down at 6 p.m. back in Lytton. But in speaking to police today, they're leaving themselves open to any ideas about what may have actually caused the fire. This is what they had to say a little earlier this afternoon.
5: It's uh, a um, desire to find out what happened when a, when a whole town is lost. A First Nations community is devastated. Um, it's a priority and uh, we know that. And uh, we're going to do our best to try to answer all the questions.
2: All right, Julia, what happens next? What's the timeline for these investigations?
8: Well, I asked the RCMP that, and they say, you know what, they have a commander in charge of this investigation. They have the resources to take as long as they need to go through the evidence. But that having been said, they're actually looking to the public to give them a call if anyone has any information connected to the cause of the fire. And of course, we know that two people lost their life in the fire, but they're really not sure if perhaps there's someone that you know and love that is still missing Call the RCMP and let them know. There is a tip line that's been established today. It's on your screen. Back to you.
2: All right, thanks for that. Julia Foy reporting live.
0: And the forestry company that's been at the center of ongoing environmental protests on Vancouver Island is making a major donation to the recovery of Lytton. Teal Jones is pledging a half-million board feet of lumber. That's enough wood to rebuild dozens of homes and buildings in Lytton and the Lytton First Nation, following the fire that devastated those communities. Teal Jones is encouraging other forestry companies to contribute as well. Its logging operations near Port Renfrew have been the target of running blockades by environmentalists, despite the company being granted a court injunction prohibiting blockades. More than 300 protesters have been arrested so far.
2: B.C.E. crossed a grim milestone today. More than 1,000 wildfires so far this season.
0: In an average year, we see 1,300 fires in this province. So we are more than two-thirds of the way there, and it's not even mid-July. Aaron MacArthur has the latest. Uh, that's crazy. Unrelenting heat.
5: For the second time this month, temperatures expected to approach 40 degrees in many parts of the province already baked forests facing more stress fires popping up across bc
9: since our last heat wave we've seen the the temperatures stabilize a little bit in the cooler temperatures but um, overall we haven't seen a ton of recovery
5: of the more than 300 fires burning right now 40 were sparked in just the last two days too many of those flames too close to people's homes having it right here and, and then not threatening our home, yeah, that's, that's very overwhelming. Two of the most recent fires were started in the Okanagan. The Thomas Creek Fire had 77 homeowners on evacuation order. That has been lifted as the fire is moving south, although more than 600 homes still under an evacuation alert.
7: So this fire was spotting probably about 200 metres ahead of itself uh, yesterday afternoon. There's not an awful lot that, uh, that we're going to stick in front of that.
5: Skaha Lake being used as a water source for helicopters fighting the fire. So is Kalamalka Lake for crews fighting the Becker Lake fire east of Vernon. Boaters and drone operators interfering with fire operations.
10: Voters, please stay off of Skaha Lake or at least well out of the way.
5: The Kamloops Fire Center still home to most fires of note in BC. The latest near Sun Peaks has the resort on alert.
9: The regional district has issued evacuation orders for 132 properties in the immediate area, as well as 160 properties in surrounding communities. Uh,
5: the high temperatures expected to break by the middle of the week. But there is no relief in sight. Rain not expected anywhere in the interior in any significant amount
0: past Sunday. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now for more on the forecast and where the temperatures are climbing again. It sure feels hotter out there, Christy.
11: Yes, and that's the, that is the case here across the coast, but we're not under the heat warning, Chris. The big heat is going to be in the interior, right in the regions that don't need it. Here's a look at the regions. So highlighted in pink there includes the Caribou, the Thompson, as well as the Fraser Canyon region, as well as the South Okanagan region. Now, we are looking at temperatures ranging from 30 to mid-30. So we're talking about above seasonal by 5 to 10 degrees. And we know that when we get into this type of heat, it really dries out the scenario. So today there was a huge jump in the forest fire danger rating, and tomorrow you can expect that again. But it's also the overnight lows that co- are cause for concern when it comes to heat-related illnesses and deaths. So we'll be watching that region and make sure you're taking care of yourself and your family and area people around you as well.
0: Not a lot of relief overnight, it looks like. Okay, thanks very much, Christy. We'll check in later.
11: Port Moody police are
2: increasing patrols in the Suterbrook area after someone left burning candles along a wooded trail. The recent hot, dry weather has pushed the fire danger rating to high in that area. But as John Hua reports, no one knows who's lighting these candles or why.
7: Like the sun peeking through the trees, it was just a small flicker of light that caught Lisette Chencher's eye.
3: And I noticed something in the bushes and it looked like I wasn't sure, maybe electrical or something. And I just, as I got closer, I realized it was a lit candle.
7: Chencher said she made the shocking discovery in the middle of the day. Hidden behind a fence post along Souter Brook Creek Trail in Port Moody.
3: If it did catch on fire as it reached the ground, it would have more fuel to burn off of the post. So I was like, yeah, no, this this looks deliberate to me.
7: Port Moody police confirm in the past couple of weeks they received two reports of lit red wax candles left unattended around bushes and trees in the area. But the belief is there may have been more. I can't say if the person who is leaving the candles
5: is doing so with nefarious intentions, but it's it's certainly reckless to say the least.
7: Complete disregard for the current fire danger rating is something that unfortunately continues to be on display. A 36-year-old man was taken into police custody after residents were left to put out a fire on the hillside of Weber Road in West Kelowna. He's since been released while charges are being considered.
5: The fire danger rating right now in Port Moody is quite high, so it goes without saying that there is uh, obviously, uh, it's very dangerous to be leaving unattended fire sources in tinder-dry areas.
7: The catch of having a natural oasis at the center of a bustling commercial and residential hub is a threat of an interface fire at the very heart of the community.
8: Of course, it's so scary
9: because we just live there, right? So if we have fire, then we have to all live our places.
7: it's just reckless and stupid.
9: And I don't know why people are lighting candles.
7: I think that's pretty strange. Port Moody Police is asking residents to be on the lookout. If they discover a candle, put it out, then report it right away.
5: We've increased our, our patrols and our, our presence in that particular area, um, and we're going to continue to do so.
7: Chencher warns even the small flicker of a single candle left to burn in these dry conditions is something the entire community needs to clearly see as a massive threat.
0: John Hua, Global News. Returning now to our top story the deadly crane collapse at a construction site in Kelowna. Global's Yasmin Gandam is live near the scene tonight in Yasmin. Uh, that scene is still very active with investigators.
9: Yeah, Chris, it it really is. Uh, They were called to the scene. BC Emergency Health Services just before 11. The crane at the time was actually being dismantled when it collapsed. We've heard that there are multiple fatalities. We don't know how many, though, uh, because they're not revealing that information before the alert next of kin. One worker actually slid off the crane uh, after the collapse. Uh, We're hearing from people in the neighborhood that heard a loud crash and actually stood onto their balconies to see what was going on. Uh, There's a lot of police and first responders on the scene here. uh, And they are providing counseling to anyone who did witness this uh, crash and people who uh, did evacuate the building are being asked to go to the local Salvation Army here uh, to seek victim services as well. There's a state of local emergency for the city of uh, Kelowna here. Uh, just because the streets are not safe to walk on. So there are a lot of barricades, road closures, uh, power outages, etc. here in downtown Kelowna.
0: What a mess and uh, lots of questions still to be answered. Yasmin Gandam, thank you very much for that report in Kelowna.
2: Police make an arrest related to ongoing gang violence and find something they weren't expecting. What this firearm tells us about how far gangsters will go to get weapons and why we're all at risk. Later on the news hour.
0: Underwater recovery, how crews prevented an even bigger disaster at this leaking historical shipwreck in Nootka Sound coming up.
2: And boat parade, celebrating the Stanley Cup like they can in Tampa Bay.
0: All of that still to come, but a routine right now, a routine traffic stop in Surrey has turned up an unusual and dangerous discovery.
2: The driver had a handgun in the vehicle, and as Rumi Nadia reports, the weapon was made by a 3D printer.
12: Surrey's gang enforcement team, SGET discovered the 3D printed gun during a routine traffic stop. The weapon, dubbed a ghost gun, because it has no serial number for tracking part of the gun, the handle, was printed from plastic, say the Mounties. They believe this one fires real bullets. RCMP say they found the gun in a jerry can inside a vehicle on June 29th. Police say the 21-year-old driver with gang connections had no driver's license and was
9: in a rental car when he was stopped. It was loaded. There was a magazine uh, in this firearm. And in in response to your question whether it's functional, uh, that is the reason we send it to the lab. So they can do their analysis and then we'll find out if this firearm is actually fully functional.
12: Surrey RCMP say it is a concern. It's not the first time a 3D-printed gun has been seized, but it's rare. There have been similar seizures across the country in the last year. Police say it was only a matter of time because of what's been going on in the U.S. Three years ago, it became legal to publish blueprints on the Internet for printing 3D guns. B.C.'s gang task force, CFSEU, says the new provincial firearms lab is so new it doesn't have statistics on 3D guns yet. In the Surrey case, police are still investigating. It's too early to say whether charges will be laid in connection to the 3D-printed gun. Ramina Dea, Global News.
2: Nanaimo RCMP are scouring a neighborhood for closed-circuit video after a disturbing attack on a homeless man.
0: As Kylie Stan reports, police say the victim was pepper-sprayed and then deliberately run over by a car. I didn't even know how you describe it, like a crumbling kind of a sound.
6: At 9.30 on Saturday night, it was something worth investigating.
0: So I decided to go out on the road and have a look.
6: Fred ben Gervin only had to go as far as his driveway to find the aftermath of what's being called a heinous crime.
0: To be right there and to be witness to and that somebody could just drive over a guy. It's like he's a piece of trash or something.
6: Emergency crews were called to the scene on Victoria Avenue near 102nd Street in Nanaimo and attended to the victim while police investigated.
12: Cops were here checking
6: everything out. Witnesses say the man was pushing a shopping cart when a small black car with several occupants approached. One of them got out discharging pepper spray.
4: They had a short heated exchange followed by the car speeding up accelerating, striking the individual, and actually driving over him.
6: Neighbors are still trying to process what happened.
8: Seriously, what is wrong with people sometimes?
6: I've lived here for 28 years.
13: This is the most violence I've seen on my street.
6: A level of violence that shocks even the police.
4: I haven't seen anything as bad as
5: this. I was horrified. Shocked, saddened, disgusted, horrified. I don't think You can find enough words to describe how people feel about this.
6: But those on the front lines say this is not unexpected. Nanaimo has been grappling with increasing violence, open drug use, and crime. With solutions slow to materialize, there's concern residents may be taking matters into their own hands.
5: Vigilantism, there's no
0: need for it. No one out on the street really wants to be there, they are there by circumstance.
6: The victim, in this case a 45-year-old man, is now in hospital with serious injuries, awaiting surgery. At this point, his prognosis is unknown. Police are still investigating but have little to go on and are asking anyone with information, even those who may have been involved, to
0: come forward. If they've got any kind of heart or conscience, you know, turn them in, or if anybody knows of them, turn them in, just do the right bloody thing. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Coming up, get ready for some wedding day sticker shock.
9: A wedding is like a piece of toast and the budget is the butter.
0: Pretty good analogy. We'll show you the factors driving party costs up. Also ahead,
2: some wondering if a delayed ambulance contributed to the death of a teenager in a highway
9: crash. traffic is moving well once again at the portman bridge after clearing an earlier stall eastbound at the west end in the right lane through kermak cares for kids expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids when you choose Kermac, you choose to support bc children's hospital kermak cares for kids i'm trish jewison in the global traffic center
2: Well, now that pandemic restrictions have eased, many brides and grooms are thinking about heading down the aisle.
0: But some couples might be in for some sticker shock as they plan their big day. Here to tell us more and how to budget properly is Consumer Matters reporter Andrew. Ann?
13: Thanks, Chris. From food to flowers, some industry experts are predicting the price of a wedding will be more expensive during the rest of the year and into 2022, and much of that can be blamed on the pandemic. at everything but the Groom Bridal Boutique, eager brides are wasting little time choosing the dress of their dreams. Gowns flying off the rack at a rapid pace, much to the surprise of owner Heidi Tobler.
9: Actually quite shocked. I anticipated a pickup, but I didn't anticipate it being as much as it has been.
13: Erin Bishop is the owner of Philosophy Events, a wedding and design company. She says right now she's seen a massive spike in demand.
9: If people have been waiting to see what happens with the pandemic, but they wanna get married, like honestly, I would say to get on it sooner than later.
13: But that excitement may be tempered by higher costs going forward, where brides and grooms can expect to pay more for their big day.
9: Definitely we're hearing more and more and starting to see in quotes that food, floral, even anything that goes back to labour is driving costs up, so things are going to be more expensive. You can't really blame a vendor necessarily for upping their price because their cost of living has gone up. They're going to charge what they need to charge to stay in the business. Um, and a lot of vendors didn't stay in the business.
13: Dushan Flowers has already seen a spike in floral prices. A worldwide shortage of certain flowers, driven in part by the global pandemic, has increased the price of some imports by as much as 25%.
11: We get lots of tropical flowers, like beautiful orchids and stuff. Uh, But we didn't receive them uh, just because of the pandemic. And then, of course, uh, just because of we didn't receive lots of uh, flowers from out of country, then the local flowers um, uh, went, um, price-wise, went really high too. To keep
13: a wedding budget in check, wedding planners recommend trimming down the guest list. Scheduling your special day during the week rather than the weekend. Sometimes you can save as much as 20%. Celebrate off-season. Select seasonal flowers and keep decor simple. And think about walking down the aisle in an outdoor public space or a backyard instead of an expensive venue. A wedding
9: is like a piece of toast, and the budget is the butter. And if you have a certain amount of butter and you want to put it on like five pieces of toast, the toast's going to be kind of dry. But if you just focus on one piece, it's going to be luxuriously lathered and delicious butter.
13: It's also a good idea to make a budget and stick to it. Don't forget to budget for things like service fees, tips, alterations, and transportation costs. Industry experts say it's important to be realistic with what you can afford so you're not left with an unexpected surprise at the end of your special day. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca.
0: All right, good stuff. Thanks, Ann. And after you tie the knot, where are you going to live? After a busy start to 2021, the B.C. housing market is showing signs of leveling off. The B.C. Real Estate Association says just over 11,000 homes were sold around the province in the month of June. That's a 34% increase from a year ago, but down about 15% from May of this year. The average price of just over $900,000 was up 22% from a year ago, but also a slight drop from May.
2: Up next,
1: another agonizing wait for an ambulance. To me, a cardiac arrest is like the first and foremost priority, that is that is someone dying.
2: A BC nurse frustrated by what she saw at the scene of a fatal accident.
0: Also tonight, the operation to pump fuel oil out of a sunken ship in a very sensitive part of our coast. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6.
9: Good evening. Traffic is starting to ease off now eastbound along Highway 1 through the Burnaby Lake stretch with just a bit of congestion at merge points like Willingdon and Kensington. Is buying a home still possible? CIBC Mortgage Advisors will show you how. With a plan unique to your ambition, they'll help find your home. CIBC Mortgages, ambitions made real. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
0: Federal officials say they've helped avert an environmental catastrophe in Nootka Sound. They removed about 60 tons of heavy oil and fuel from the MV Schke Dyke that sank back in 1968. Crews jumped into action in December when a sheen was spotted on the surface. Oil was leaking from the vessel and threatening sea life in the environmentally sensitive area. A robot drilled holes into the hull to pump the fuel out through a hose.
2: A BC ER nurse who was one of the first on the scene of a deadly car crash on the Sea to Sky Highway is adding her voice to the chorus of complaints about the state of BC's emergency health services.
0: As Grace Key reports, she says it took an ambulance half an hour to arrive despite the fact one victim was in cardiac arrest.
14: 17-year-old Alex Reyes was tragically killed in June along Highway 99 near Alice Lake. Driving a Tesla with two passengers, he crashed into a vehicle. An off-duty paramedic and an ER nurse, Haley Van Dyke, were luckily on scene. One patient was in cardiac arrest, three others potentially unstable, and still, it took 30 minutes for an ambulance to arrive.
1: I don't think that anyone should have to wait 30 minutes for an ambulance in a critical situation like that, like... To me, a cardiac arrest is like the first and foremost priority. That's, that is someone dying. So 30 minutes just seems absolutely unacceptable. It took an additional 10 minutes for a second
14: ambulance to arrive. It came from Whistler. So the first ambulance wasn't able to rush their patient right away to the hospital.
1: The boy with the broken back, he went in the first ambulance. But that crew stayed on scene to attend to the other patient while we waited for the Whistler crew to get there. So there was an even further delay in that patient getting to the hospital.
14: Haley says on any given day, there are two ambulances in Squamish, but at times only one is available between all of Pemberton and Squamish.
1: For instance, our Squamish hospital doesn't have a CT scanner. So for all the mountain biking and all the skiing and all the crazy mountain adventures we have up here, if anyone has any kind of trauma, we cannot rule out like a bleed in the brain or an internal injury. We have to send them to the city and they have to go down by ambulance. So when that ambulance goes down to the city, we've lost a car here. And there's days where like we're already down a car, then we send a car down to the city, and we've got one ambulance team for the whole corridor.
14: Alex died on scene, and Haley doesn't believe the delay contributed to his death. But with the area's growing population, she says a CT scan, more doctors and nurses, and ambulances are desperately needed. Grace Key, Global News.
0: And in a statement released late this afternoon, the B.C. Health Ministry says its records indicate the first ambulance arrived on the scene within 12 minutes after the first call. It says the problems with B.C.'s ambulance service are the result of underfunding by the previous government and that it's working to overcome them.
2: Taking a look at COVID-19 in our province now, we have three days' worth of numbers to tell you about. 123 new cases, 658 active cases. Hospital numbers are down again with 66 patients in hospital, 14 in the ICU. Thankfully, we have no new deaths to report. And on the vaccination front, 78.8% of those aged 12 and older have received their first dose of vaccine. 44.6% have received both doses
0: in health matters today getting back to your pre-pandemic weight for months gyms were closed food delivery increased and as a result many saw the numbers on the scale increase too a study about weight gain during covid19 shows nearly half of us are now trying to lose weight
15: leo martinez has been trying to make up for the pounds he put on during lockdowns
0: I'm trying to take care
6: of myself and uh maybe going through the drive through and maybe looking at their salad menus.
15: <laughs> A recent survey by Dalhousie University found about 42% of Canadians had gained weight during the pandemic, most commonly 6 to 10 pounds. But now that social activities and that work wardrobe are calling, many are returning to reopened gyms.
9: The biggest piece of advice I have is start slow. You aren't where you were 16 months ago when this all started.
15: Shara Vijant suggests easing in with walking or stairs. She says even those who've been working out at home may have developed bad habits.
9: We've seen a lot of injuries throughout the pandemic of people trying things that um, they weren't instructed with properly. um, That
15: was out of their fitness level. Dietitian Sabina Valentine has also been advising dieters to take it slow. She says avoid fad diets, stick to eating three meals and two snacks a day. And instead of focusing on removing unhealthy foods, concentrate on adding healthy ones, more vegetables, whole grains, protein and water.
2: Then actually you can eat more food, but eat less calories, which is a really good strategy to use for weight loss.
15: And for those who turn to food for comfort during COVID-19, look for other ways to feel better.
2: On their fridge, put up a sticky note that um, gives you some alternative activities like going for a walk, calling a friend, reading a book. Sure.
15: Michaela Gatto says coming back to the gym has helped her mental health. This mother of three is feeling stronger and calmer.
2: It's also nice to be around people. It's...
15: Like motivating for me. Sue Lingo, Global News.
2: Just ahead, reunited, and it feels so good. Happy, excited. The long wait finally ends for a woman who thought she lost her dog in the Lytton fire.
0: And scorching temperatures grip the U.S. with a warning to conserve power. Watching Global News Hour at 6. The heat wave is impacting BC, but it's also extending to tens of millions of Americans in several western states.
2: As Jennifer Johnson reports, the relentless temperatures are breaking records
16: and power grids. Blistering high temperatures, bone dry terrain, and out of control fires are burning up America's west from Oregon to Arizona. Oregon's bootleg fire is now the largest in the country. In Arizona, two firefighters were killed when their plane crashed while surveying flames. And in California, raging fires are swallowing up homes, devastating communities.
5: Four dogs. I think they're gone. I couldn't get them out. They couldn't see. The smoke was there, so I, I think they're gone.
16: This latest heat wave coming after parts of the U.S. Southwest experienced the hottest June on record. Experts say climate change is to blame.
14: We're in a period where we're just going to constantly see, over time, increases in our average temperature and increases in our extremes. Most people don't think about heat as a killer,
11: and it is.
16: While air conditioning units strain, debris from the Oregon fire is affecting power lines in Northern California, which has already lost a tenth of its power supply.
4: So this is a big hit. To the supply for California. We're all going to do everything we possibly can to maintain reliability.
16: California's governor has declared a power grid emergency, asking residents to conserve power and water. Lake Mead in Nevada, which supplies water for 25 million people in Los Angeles and across four states, is now at the lowest level it's been in its 85-year history. Death Valley, California, is one of the hottest places on earth. Visitors are still going out in the record-setting temperatures, but not for very long. I think the best way to describe it is that moment when you open the oven and that gust of heat hits you in the face. This is the second heat wave the West has seen in a little over two weeks, once again baking and igniting a region already suffering from extreme drought. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington.
2: And we're seeing uh, some heating up going on in the interior of the province. Christy Gordon back with us now. Christy?
11: Thanks. Well, we're so lucky that we're not seeing the extreme heat that we did last time. But it's very similar to last time in that we are dealing with the same sort of reach of high pressure that they are down south. Now, here's a look at the temperatures we saw today. Today was day one of the heat wave where Lillouette-Litton was in that 38-39 degree mark. But you can see Soyuz also very hot. Many other areas in the interior looking at low to mid-30s. This is what we're expecting tomorrow, and this is very conservative. We'll likely see a number of these regions reach even higher temperatures. temperatures than this. And when we get into this type of scenario where we're in that 5 to 10 degrees above seasonal and we don't get relief at night. So for example, look at this. These are the overnight lows. Some areas like a Soyuz may only drop down to 21. That doesn't allow your body to get that relief. And thankfully in the interior, a lot of people have uh, air conditioning and things like that. Whereas along the coast, when we had that heat wave, we didn't have a lot of people with air conditioning. But nonetheless, Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Heat stroke is a medical emergency. You need to call 911 if you have any of these symptoms here. Now, let's talk about smoke. So most of the smoke and through the interior regions where the majority of the fires are. Tomorrow, though, and into Wednesday, we will likely see a little bit of outflow. So push from the interior out towards the coast. We will see temperatures warm up here on the coast. And we'll likely see a little bit of smoke push in as well. But we're just on the outer edge of it. So I'm not expecting widespread but certainly some smoke is possible. And it's certainly in the interior, not a lot of dispersion expected for you, so you'll likely see smoky skies and hot conditions for the next two days. Now for Metro Vancouver, a little bit more cloud cover Thursday and Friday, cooler conditions, but then we come out of it over the weekend and still no rain in the forecast. It's been since June 15th that we've had any rain at the airport at YVR, and that's the case across many parts of the province. Here's tonight's central windows weather window from Doug. This is looking out from Ambleside. Beautiful shot. Thanks so much, Doug, for that one.
0: Well done, Doug. Easy to cool off when you're near the water. Not so much when you're wearing football gear, Squire.
4: (laughs) That's why they're practicing at night this week, Mm -hmm. which actually isn't a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Lions players have already figured out that new head coach, uh, Rick Campbell, is someone who obviously doesn't keep everybody just cool with night practices, Mm -hmm. but also calm.
5: That calm on the sideline... um, is pretty cool to
4: feel as a player. The CFL experience on the sidelines could be a big plus for the Lions this year.
2: Also, I had a tail wagging reunion for a dog lost during the Lytton wildfire. That's later.
0: Special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6.
2: Chris and I want to go to a Lions game.
0: Yeah, they got bad, bad crowds two years ago, but. You know, now now there's some enthusiasm to get mm-hmm. back there and cheer. Yeah, on. that's true. A couple
4: of years ago it looked like fans were already social distancing <laughs> for the pandemic. It would be nice if people came back mm-hmm. when they are allowed back in. Okay. So an unofficial guess would be that about fifty percent of the starting players the Lions had in 2019 will be back for 2021. And if you've forgotten and you have every reason to forget 2019, the Lions finished five and thirteen, despite having a pretty talented roster. Things just didn't work out for uh, rookie head coach Devon Claybrooks, who of course was fired after that season was over. Of all the changes for the BC Lions after a year off, the biggest is head coach. Rick Campbell brings more experience to the job than Devon Claybrooks brought. And that's being noticed by veterans who played in 2019.
5: He's obviously a very seasoned veteran coach. He's been coaching this league for a very long time and had tremendous success. You know, he's played in whatever it is, three out of the last four or five great cups, um, you know, and and he's a very calm guy. So far, what I've noticed is he really takes care of the guys and he really pays attention. And um, he, that's, that's credit to him. You could tell guys
15: like that and they they love playing for a coach like that who's going to take care of their players and who's not going to run their players to the ground.
4: And in close games, which the BC Lions more often than not lost in 2019, Campbell's experience could be the
5: difference. He's a guy that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how high the stakes get, you're going to get the consistency out of him. I think that bleeds off to the rest of the the staff and to the roster players. And I do think that that's going to be a recipe for success for us. I mean, he has a proven track record of it for sure.
4: When soon-to-be 38-year-old defenseman Duncan Keith said he wanted to be traded to a Western Canadian team to be closer to his family, a lot of people in Canucks Nation were afraid that Vancouver would try to make a deal for him. But fear not, as you can see by the logo beside me, the Blackhawks traded Keith to the Edmonton Oilers today for defenseman Caleb Jones in a third-round draft pick. Now, it feels weird. And it doesn't feel right to not want Duncan Keith. He's been a great player. He will be a Hall of Famer. He's won Stanley Cups. He's won Olympic gold medals. He's won Norris trophies. He's won a Conn Smythe. He has basically done it all. However, the Canucks could not afford to make a deal for him unless they owned a flux capacitor and a DeLorean because you want him when he's younger. Edmonton obviously feels different about Duncan Keith. his Stanley Cup winning experience alone, perhaps his presence on the Oilers' blue line will not only settle things down, but teach some of their younger defensemen how to play the game as well. What is odd is the Oilers didn't get Chicago to retain any of his $5.5 million a year salary, which lasts another two seasons. Well, with the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl and the Lightning winning back-to-back Stanley Cups, they like to call Tampa Bay... Champa Bay now and since it's a city with a name Bay in it, with the name Bay in it I should say, or with the word Bay in it, they like to celebrate such championships on the water. So today the Stanley Cup was on a boat. It's the boat in the middle and if you're wondering how safe was hockey's holy grail, well every one of those police boats, and I'm not kidding, actually had members of their dive team in case someone dropped the cup in the water So they could go in and get it right away however this picture i'm about to show you will prove that some damage did occur to the stanley cup today even though it didn't fall in the water this picture is from twitter on the account of a writer from the athletic it shows the top of the cup has been bent in now the stanley cup never seems to survive a party without some kind of a nick but this is more than a nick This is party-out-of-bounds material. It's like they used it to fend off would-be bandits. Now it's going to have to go back, get repairs in Montreal, and then the players and the staff can have their day with it in the summer. When the Vancouver Warriors and the National Lacrosse League come back for another season on December 3rd, this year they'll be coming back, the Warriors that is, with one of their best players. They are keeping Mitch Jones, and part of his payment had something to do with getting Canucks souvenirs.
0: I got that. Get to it. So you get three of them to sign
5: here. So here. Um, I mean, this is where I want to be. This is, uh, we've been
8: looking forward uh, to this ever since I got here to kind of continue this, this rebuild. And uh, this is home for me.
4: Keeping Mitch Jones in a Vancouver Warriors jersey for the next two years and the foreseeable future was a must for Vancouver's pro lacrosse team. Not only has the Delta native been the Warriors' leading scorer, he's a cornerstone piece you build your team around. And for a club that's missed the playoffs three of the last four seasons, the time to win is now.
5: We're really happy to have him. Uh, one of the elite players in the league. Um, his production totals keep going up, and I'm I'm confident they're going to keep going up. We need to win to bring fans in. We need to help our uh, sales and marketing team by putting a better product on the floor. We think we're doing that. You know, maybe not as fast as, as some people like it, but, you know, there, there's a method to it. You know, you can't just snap your fingers...
0: Uh, from where we were three years ago. Goodwin sends it up to Jones.
4: It's been over a year now since Jones and his teammates were on the floor. No lacrosse during the pandemic, pushing Jones towards another career. He's now a realtor. and Despite working in a red-hot real estate market, his number one passion remains lacrosse.
8: As you know, we haven't been playing for the last two seasons almost, so kind of got my toes wet and, and was able to join a real estate team, and that's kind of helped me. Uh, not only pass the time, but kind of gain knowledge in another field. Um, but I can't say I'm uh, enough how uh, excited I am to be back playing cross, and uh, hopefully be able to juggle both of those tasks uh, at the same time.
4: And a nice signing bonus too, Jones getting a pair of Elias Pettersson's twigs and a Canucks autographed team stick. Jay Janor, Global Sports. That was a signing bonus. I want Elias Petterson sticks and I want a signed stick by the Canucks or I'm not signing with you. So they gave it to him. That okay.
2: was my signing bonus. I got an autographed picture of Chris
4: That Actually, that's pretty good. Yeah. I didn't even get that. My, I got a picture of Chris, but it was bent and it wasn't autographed at all. <laughs>
0: you guys could have done a lot better with your skills.
2: <laughs> all right. Thanks, Squire. Up next, best friends reunited after the devastating fire in Lytton.
0: Got a great story to end on tonight. When fire swept through Lytton and people had to leave quickly, some pets were left behind.
2: A dog that was found and rescued has now been reunited with her owner. And it's a pretty special moment. Katherine Urquhart has the story.
10: Hi, Jessica Dan arrives at the Animal Evacuation Center in Kamloops for a reunion of a lifetime. So how excited are you, you to see Princess? I'm really excited. Dan wasn't sure she'd ever again see her beloved dog, Princess. The dog had been staying with family in Lytton when a wildfire suddenly ravaged the village June 30th. Then, a few days ago, the SPCA posted to social media this photo, saying a dog had been found wandering alone and scared with no ID. Did anyone know who the owner might be?
15: Princess was picked up in Lytton from behind the fire lines by a couple uh, fisheries officers. Um, And uh, so she's been here waiting and through uh, the power of social media
10: um, we were able to find Princess's owner. That post ignited a storm of activity and within hours Jessica Dan was identified as the owner. Their reunion? Sweet. (laughs) Princess clearly excited to see her owner. <laughs> for Jessica Dan, finding Princess is a huge relief.
15: I knew she was going to try to get in as fast as she can because I knew she wanted to go home. I was just kind of afraid that she wouldn't remember me, but obviously she does. Very grateful. But.
10: And, she says, an uplifting story for the entire community of Lytton. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
2: Hopefully, there will be more reunions For like sure. that of the days to come.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. good work by the BCSBCA there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, last word on weather from Christy before we go. Christy?
11: So another sunny, hot one across the Lower Mainland for the next two days, actually. Away from the water, it'll feel closer to the low 30s. But thankfully, we will get relief at night, dropping down to 14 degrees. That's not the case, though, in the interior, where, again, we're dealing with a heat wave in areas like Fraser Canyon, as well as the South Okanagan.
0: Let's kick the blankets off weather out there. <laughs> all right. Thanks very much, Christy. And thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a good I night. still
2: haven't put them back on from the last <laughs> heat wave we yeah, had.
0: that's right.
2: Good night, all.